0: the blast from our past network.
1: Welcome to a Patreon-exclusive episode of Podcasting After Dark, an elite installment for our Patreon supporters. Lock your doors,
0: close your windows, seal your fate, sit back, relax, and enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this month's episode of Podcasting After Dark presents Wrap Up After Dark. If you're listening to this for the first time, it is our monthly Patreon-exclusive show. But if this winds up on the free feeds, which it probably will, because we have our pal Dan Parker uh, on here with us. And uh, But if you're the uh, you know, first time listening, this is a monthly show that we do on Patreon. So swing on by Patreon and check us out. And if you're listening on Patreon, well, thank you guys so freaking much. You make this show happen. You make... The posters happen that Dan Parker yep. makes and everything. So uh, before we jump into that, Zach, how's it going, buddy?
1: I'm happy to be here and happy to see Dan for the first time and talk to Dan for the first time. It's been, what, four years now? And <laughs> it's an honor to you. are a You are a phenomenal artist. And I can tell you that to your face now. Um, Dan's the he's provided the color. Of uh, the 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 colored palette of our cult movie podcast for the past four years, and oh my gosh, what a wild ride it's been!
0: Yeah, Dan, oh. this is a huge honor for us, man. We've uh, and we both been huge fans of your work. We found you through Instagram um, way back in the day, like when we were first starting this, and we you know we formed a, a bond and a friendship, and you know you've been doing the posters for us, which are just unfrickin' believable. But Dan Parker, how's it going, buddy? Welcome to podcasting after dark.
2: Hi guys. Uh, obviously, I realize nobody else can see me waving at you on the on the audio, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, I'm stoked to be here.
0: Oh, dude, it's again, it's a freaking honor. Um, you just did our year. I guess it's four. Yeah. Year four posters. So we're we're in year five, technically. Um, So you did our year four poster, but you've done each and every single one of them. And I can honestly say that your your style has improved over the years. It's been it's it's awesome to see Um, not that that means anything at the beginning. Like that doesn't mean anything negative about your style at the beginning. Obviously, we freaking loved you. But like it's it's awesome to see that over time and we have these like benchmarks these yearly yeah. benchmarks and we keep talking about every year man as long as we keep doing the show and as long as you keep wanting to do it you're going to be doing the posters for these uh these years
2: well that's fine by me
0: <laughs> you can't so, see this
2: because
1: it's uh dan's got on his back wall a Shaun of the dead poster on his back wall and uh the minute it popped on i was like and that,
2: oh you can't see it; it's in the glare signed by george <laughs> romero as well oh it's awesome. It's got Simon Simon Pegg and Nick Frost on it, autographs on it. But uh, somebody was pooparing me for getting George Romero's autograph on it. But it's actually next to the quote that says an absolute blast, George Romero. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, come on, that's phenomenal. Breath of that's really the cool. Legend, the Legend, <laughs> who we've so, who we've crapped on a little bit on the show in in a, in a loving way.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no, no. it's not ev- not everything he does was gold, but it was all worth watching.
1: We're we're finding that out with John Carpenter right now with the Carpenter Factor. That oh. uh, you know, John Carpenter is 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 one of our favorite directors of all time, maybe Bye-bye. the most favorite director for the two of us possibly. And not everything he did was uh, was a Wonka bar. Some of them were a gobstopper that got stuck in your teeth and yes. you know pulled some fillings
0: out. Yeah, some was- of them were somebody's watching me. Some of them were that. <laughs> oh, I
2: right. should say that because I was trying to watch that last night because I realized I'd never seen it and I can't find it anyway.
0: Oh, oh, I think we free. had to buy it because I don't think it's even streaming anywhere. So I think Dan
1: Parker to... just won himself a Blu-ray <laughs> courtesy
0: of me. Because <laughs> you're like, I don't want that in my collection anymore.
2: Nope. <laughs> really I thought I'd heard good things about it for a TV movie. It's not terrible.
0: Yeah. It's it's not terrible, but yeah, it's not the greatest.
1: It's no Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. I can tell you that.
0: Oh, well, yeah,
2: that's, that's the one I do like.
1: That, I mean, that is on the top of everyone's list as far as horror films are concerned. It's uh, horror TV movies, yeah, yeah. Horror
2: TV movies, yeah. Zach
0: was. Do you remember that Gargoyles one that came out in the early '80s, late '70s? Wasn't that a TV movie too? Stan yeah, it was Winston. William Stan Winston?
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. Effects for it. it was it, in fact it's the first time he was credited with doing the makeup effects on something.
0: That scared the shit out of me when I was a kid when I caught that on TV.
1: Well, I mean, I don't rem- I don't think I've actually seen it. I'm familiar with it. Uh, I, I the only TV horror film that I can think of from that era that terrified me, and I talked about it on an episode was Salem's Lot. People oh, I thought you were going to a go TV with
0: movie. I thought you were going to go with Day After Tomorrow. Oh, oh that too. I, don't be afraid of the dark.
1: Oh, that too. <laughs> I think what? you're going to go with, um, I know my first name is Steven. <laughs> Dan,
0: didn't you guys get, um, cause we got day After tomorrow over here. Didn't you guys get threads over yeah. there? Wasn't that sort of the same? Didn't have that sort of have the same impact where it kind of traumatized a generation of kids cause it was made for TV and it was still scary as hell. Or would yeah. did that come out in the theater?
2: No, 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 no. It was TV, BBC. Um, yeah that was the first time i'd ever really used the word grim to describe you know something i'd seen on tv i was like God, it, it just unremitting gloom throughout i think that it? those
1: have you ever seen uh miracle mile have you seen miracle mile oh
2: no is that is that michael mann
1: no, it's actually Steve Desjardins, who directed Cherry 2000. He only did a, a couple movies, but he did a lot of television shows. And that is a I've talked to Corey about that quite a few times. It's a uh, nuclear meltdown love story.
2: Yes, <laughs> I have a, I've heard it on your, on the two dollar late for you've talked about it. OK, cool. Yeah. Yeah. We just talked about that the other day, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah i need to see that so bad dude because you have talked about it a bunch and uh just to go back to threads when when uh what's his name you know uh facebook guy you know announced his twitter oh, you know killer yeah. and it's called threads and i was like the literally the first thing yeah. i thought of was that image of that soldier with the bandage across his face and everything i was like, it's, it's, I, was like I don't think you really marketed this well in in the uk
2: yeah it, it, that's a traffic warden not a soldier okay so he gets what he deserved
0: Um,
2: (laughs) uh, yeah i mean my my, the the main thing i remember about that is there's a scene where somebody pulls some melted star wars figures out of some rubble oh (laughs) wow luke skywalker and i'm like oh dear god what did you do to that figure
0: (laughs) it's like if luke skywalker can't even survive this how am i supposed to survive it um I think, you know, since this is all of our first time talking and everything, and our show is so nostalgic-based, Dan, you don't have to, like, say how old you are, but are you an 80s kid um, at heart? Like, you know, did you grow up in the 80s primarily?
2: Well, uh, yeah. I've just turned 50. I'm not scared to admit that. Um, So it's weird because I was born in the 70s, but it was sort of more the 80s was where I was growing up.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So if
2: that makes sense. um, Yeah. So my sister always says we got the best era for films because we yeah, we got all the 80s classics back to the future and Goonies and Howard the Duck. <laughs> right. Uh, and the
0: best era for toys, too, I'd say.
2: Yeah. Um, after that, everything was just sort of repeating what we'd already seen. Um, yeah, I'd say, yeah, I'm a child of the 70s or 80s. Like, okay. so, all my TV influences are 70s. All my film influences are 80s.
0: You know, yeah, that sounds I think that usually goes with people because you're, you're watching what's in syndication. Right, Zach, like you're kind of like catching, you know, the stuff that came out previously, even though it's a few years removed. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah.
1: think the the three of us are all in that same similar boat. Dan, you're a couple of years older than the two of us. But uh, I, you know, 70s sitcoms were a staple growing up in the early 80s. Whether it it be Welcome Back, Cotter, or you know Three's Company, which is a '70s show, people forget that that started in the
2: '70s. Yeah, we didn't get anything like that. Um, I can remember stopping up super late in the early '80s to watch old episodes of Archie Bunker's Place, (laughs) (laughs) just because it was old TV on a new channel. I was like, oh, right. So yeah, Welcome Back, Cotter. In fact, I'd never seen until last week. I flicked over on a. Let's just say a less than legal fire stick. But I watched <laughs> US TV and and it was like, well, I know John is in that, and I watched about ten minutes. But uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of the stuff we never got. I remember watching Rowan and Martin's laughing, hmm. which would have yep. been old when it was on in the seventies over here. Yeah, that was that Bat and Roda. That was about as far behind how far behind we were in the seventies, late seventies. We were getting early seventies stuff. Wasn't way, to, it. way
1: to roll that back to Adrian Barbeau and uh, someone's watching me.
2: Yeah. I mean, like I said, I have fun memories of knowing that I'd stopped up because they weren't prime time over here either. They'd be on after 10 p.m. Just okay. filler on the BBC. So I knew I'd stopped up late if I managed to see Rhoda or Taxi. Taxi was probably the the one we got closest to it being new when we got it screened over here early 80s we caught up we had cheers when it came out and and um yeah you know all, all the other big ones and
0: so you were like cheers was actually like you were getting it like in real time the same time yeah. we got here or was there a delay like a
2: year or anything i think there was a bit of a delay it it wasn't uh, this will jump to another program i didn't realize that we had a delay until i remember watching the last episode of moonlighting Oh. And Moonlighting told you when the Blue Moon Detective Agency shut down on the last episode. And that was when I realised we were like six, seven months behind. Wow. But with okay. things like um, Taxi and things, I, I would, I've always had a weird fixation with looking at the dates at the end of the TV shows. So like, Taxi come up and, you know, Situ sit or whatever it was. And um, yeah. <laughs> I'd know what year I it came think- up. try Sorry?
1: No, I was going to say that's how I learned Roman numerals, I believe, because at the end of a movie when I'm like, what is this MCM? Oh, wait, M must be 100. Oh, I'm getting this now. C and.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you see, I cheat. I just remember the last three or four Roman numerals and then divide it by the fashions. That's all
1: you need. (laughs) Yeah, right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, so. I know you've been... I'm assuming you've been drawing your whole life. Did you draw inspiration from the movies? Okay, no. So let's I, talk about your, your artistic background then.
2: Um, I've always been able to draw in some form. I drew when I was at school. But there was a long story where I couldn't do art at school because it was over, oversubscribed. So I ended up doing textiles, which I didn't want to do. Then I did art at college... Where what I did wasn't considered art. And then basically between college and five years ago, I did nothing. Just, just, you know, I decided that I needed an interest. And and where I was, I thought, I've got a brother that does it, has a comic book. Um, The Sensational Merrick, all about the Elephant Man. Victorian Adventures of the Elephant Man. Kind of like that boy. That's cool. he was making a go of it. And I was like, you know what? I should really start doing this again. And um, so I did. And I know, uh, you know, five years ago, whereas I thought I was quite good, I realized I was actually quite bad. And then, but now, five years later, I'm like, well, yeah, I'm still not amazing, but I have my moments. And my moments are getting close together. So, um, but yeah, um, I, although I've said I've, I went to college, Basically, everything I do now is self-taught. Wow, cool. Um, I just figure it out as I go along.
0: So if you started back about five years ago, that means we bumped into each other. You were about a year in yeah. to to this sort of, uh, you know, yeah. reawakening inside of you. Um, and that, I mean, that is a testimony to your talent because I mean, right of the way, I was blown away. By your artwork. And obviously, Same. Zach and I both were, you know. I was like, hey, Zach, check this out. And, you know, we start talking. I'm like, and I pitched Zach the idea of what, you know, wanted to do with the poster and, you know, get, you know, sign off on it and everything like that. And it's just like, it's remarkable to me that by that point you were only into this, like, by a year and probably a few months or something.
2: It took me about a year. I was just, well, I had a lot of doubt about what my style was because I couldn't see what my style was. Because I, it was still early, not every picture would be the same or look the same. So by the time I did your first poster, I'd got about 90% of my style down. I knew what I was doing. I knew what I was good at. And I knew what I wasn't wasn't good at. I always say to people, I, you know, people like, oh, yeah, you work to your strengths. I'm like, no, I work to my weaknesses. If there's something I'm really good at, I'll just keep doing that. Yeah. Um, just because now, like I said, I'm 50, I'm like, well, I haven't got time to practice all the bits I'm not good at. I may as well perfect the other stuff, the, the stuff I'm closer to finishing, if that makes sense. Yeah. But um, yeah, like I so, said, I mean, I, I, that was early days when you first asked me to do that, the poster, the first poster. And I was, you know, I thought that was amazing because even now, occasionally, I, well, not so much now, but I still get to moments where I'm like, I don't understand what everybody sees in what I do, because I know some really, really good artists, you know, that, that, that are amazing. And there's a few of them that are always coming asking me my opinion on stuff, or, or, or and I'm like, well, why are you asking me? I don't know what I'm doing. And they're like, yeah, but no, you are. I'm like, yeah, it, um, I'm wandering off now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no you're
1: you're you're speaking to a place of being humble and that's a uh, that's a good thing it's not it's not a it's not a bad thing to be humble and well, like, yeah, you
2: know I, I know there are things yeah i'm not as humble as i used to be because <laughs> i'm like at right. the point where i'm like well yeah i know i can do this and i can do that Yeah, right and so but yeah it's still a great but like i said being asked every year to do the poster it's is uh, yeah I, that, it's my favorite job of the year every year
0: Oh, that's awesome, dude.
2: Well, just because you don't need it, um You can work there. Well, do pieces for some people and, and then micromanage. But it's just right. like, well, I, I can't work like that. You're asking me to do it because you like what I do. Let me do what I do.
0: And I've so I've always had an art background and I kind of pride myself on trying to be an artist's artist. So like, I mean, our conversations with Dan and me are usually like, Dan's like, what's this? And I'm like, I don't know. Do whatever you want, buddy. It's like, I commissioned you because I love your style. Mm. It just do what you want. And you know what I mean? And slap our logo on there, whatever inspires you, you know? And I think you've hit it out of the park every single year.
2: Yeah. Like, so I, I'm, impress myself. That, uh, like I said, in one of our uh, chats online, I can use the posters as a barometer of how much I've improved year on year. Because I think this year's is the best one I've done. Whereas last year's was the best one i had done. And the year before that was the best. <laughs> you know, the first one I was like, oh, I'm really pleased with this. But I can, not just the art wise, but I looked, I was looking at the first one because I have to get my brother to do all the computer side of it. If it needs right. colouring. Um and I was just like, Oh, the the line work on that, you can't see it. It's washed out because of the way it had been scanned. So now I'm more on top of that, where it's like, no, it's got to do this, it's got to do that. And, um yeah, I'm learning a bit about that on the way, but I'm too old to learn all the computer bit now. <laughs> and I don't have a computer so <laughs> which wouldn't help. But yeah, I, think, I, I, I
1: appreciate that, too. So much so much is now done on the computer, which is totally fine. I've seen that the technology is mind blowing, but it's always great to see old school sketches and drawings and illustrations done that way, too.
2: Yeah. I mean, I've got I've got nothing against. Um, what's the word for
0: it? AI, computer art or Photoshop.
2: No, well, yeah, Photoshop and stuff. AI, I, I, I can't believe that we've been, you know, watching Terminator and all that sort <laughs> of stuff and get us through our art. Yeah, That's right. How they're going to take over the world through the things we didn't think we, they'd be bothered about. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, computer, well, can't you? Know, uh, computer-generated tablets and things like. that, But it does amaze me the amount of, I can appreciate just adding to hand-drawn art with it. Where my brother adds filters and this and that and cuts moves things around it's like yeah I can that'd be great I'm just scared that if I I did that that I'd stop learning how to draw
1: mm, yeah.
2: because you can make a mistake and just get rid, and and get rid of it and do it again and get rid of it and do it again and get rid of it but you won't necessarily learn how to correct it or get around it with a, a you know, on, in, on a real piece of paper. That's what scares me. I've I've learned so much from making mistakes, and and even just how to cover them up. Um, I was always scared to wipe things out on a you know, on a piece of paper because obviously there's only so many passes you can take to a piece of paper before you have to do it all again. Um, right. And that's half of what I've learned is just don't be afraid to cover up mistakes or, or paint over something or, or you know just hide it. Um, One of
0: my favorite art styles, uh, cause I, I, mean, I grew up reading comic books and all that kind of stuff. Um, there were some, a handful of artists that would like, you know, maybe watercolor over their pencils or something, but you could still see their pencil work underneath. And I always liked that. I always liked seeing the errant lines and, and stuff like that. I always thought that was, it was very organic. I always enjoyed those kind of art styles.
2: Yeah. Uh, I was thinking about it the other day. Um, because I've just grabbed a handful of what I thought were recent comics, and it re- turns out they're 20 years old. And, uh, but <laughs> it was like the artwork was still artwork. <clears throat> and then I looked at something from a couple of years ago, and I'm like, it's all really homogenized now. Everything looks mm. like everything else. You don't seem to have anyone that really stands out. I mean, I'm probably doing hundreds of people a disservice, but in your average Marvel comic now, everybody looks the same as everybody else because it's all computer colored and it's all yeah. computer lined. Whereas I like looking through the seventies and eighties stuff where every page pops, there's always something going on in every page and and, and you can tell, it shows you how much of a fool I was. I didn't like Jack Kirby until I was probably in my late twenties because as a kid, I was like, I don't get it. I don't. What's all these, all these weird machines and the the lighting and the the thick black lines. I didn't get. I didn't get it. And then one day when I was an adult, I was like, you know what? This guy's look unlike anything else that was around, and that's the point. That's why he was good. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you. you I think I, I think art uh, is suffering a bit from the overuse. I can understand it making things quicker on computers and stuff, but. It's like I found out there was an artist, I can't remember what the name was, but I kept seeing their work and they were doing super detailed. It was sort of semi, semi manga, but it was American and it was sort of looked like it'd been colored with watercolors, but the line work was really strong. And he was doing all these amazingly detailed, like airships and riverboats and things. And I was like, this is amazing. Cool. And I watched the video where he just had it all on a computer. And he, he, he had a computer model of a riverboat and, yeah. drop in and draw over. And I'm like, well, that's not the same. Yeah. And it sort of took a bit away from it for me.
0: It makes you wonder if, like, because, you know, growing up, I was reading a bunch of comics, uh, comics my entire life. Uh, probably more up up until recently. I, I don't read them anymore. But, like, you know, some of my favorite artists were, like, Sam Keith back in the day. What? He did, Not- like, The Max and everything. And you wonder, it's like, would he ever have a job at Marvel nowadays? Like, his style is so out there. But I freaking love Zach, do you remember Sam Keith at all? Do you remember? Uh, the show The Max on Liquid Television was a spinoff of his comic book. And they actually mimicked the art style a lot. It was yeah, groovy.
1: I actually ha- I had that action figure, too. Okay, um,
2: the Max, yeah.
1: When, when were we weren't pants. supposed to play with
2: toys. What's that? Sorry, sorry, no, I cut you off. No,
1: no, no it's okay. I, I was going to say uh, when we weren't supposed to play with toys anymore because we were, you know, in our 20s. And now I'm like, why? What a fool. What a fool I was. <laughs> <What a> fool. <laughs> fool? Why do you do that, you royal boob? Sorry, I was <laughs> listening to Skeletor all morning, too, by the way. Uh, <laughs> speaking of speaking of animation, uh, I I, for some reason, I just... I was cooking, and I st- I started spouting lines by of Skeletor, and I went on a deep dive of Skeletor uh, lore, and how really there is no lore. You just it writes itself every yeah, new yeah. Uh, you know reimagination of Masters of the Universe. So there's no like true Bible other than what Mattel did for their uh, yeah. you know action figure line, but just like that idea of this goes back to the animation style and, and, and purple, because wasn't the Max purple also?
2: Yeah. Purple, yep. he's, mm-hmm. Sort of goldy-orange arms, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yep. and I remember mm-hmm. that figure came out, and I was like, this is so like, I don't know, McFarlane might have put it out? or I think so, yeah. And I was just blown away by how accurate it looked to the actual comic mm. book, and I remember, I never saw the cartoon, or maybe if I did, I only saw one episode, but I love the concept.
2: It was good. It was really good. Yeah, because yeah. he very much seemed like he he perhaps came from the tail end of the seventies. Yeah, I can see locked. that. But I am surprised you didn't mention the fact that uh, Corey that he did the aliens comic.
0: Yeah, yeah, the alien was it was a female Earth War, the third yeah. one. Um Yeah. So my favorite uh, was always that second um, comic. Uh, I love the first one, the black and white, but the second series that had that airbrushed look to it it was just beautiful absolutely gorgeous and then yeah he did that the third series which was I thought that was really good too Um I love his style but i didn't love how he drew colonial marines so even though i was like i'm aware that i'm a a, a fan of his i didn't love everything that he always did but i think yeah, that's yeah. the case with every artist i don't yeah. love like like i don't think todd mcfarlane's the best at every character that he draws like he's good at spider-man he's good at spawn but sometimes i didn't like the way he drew other characters so very rarely uh you know frank quietly Is uh is another one of my favorite artists of all time, Frank Quitely. He draws the ugliest women you've ever seen in your life. They're just grotesque, but everything else about his style I absolutely adore.
2: Yeah, um, I can't think of it. I got now I'm on the spot. Um, I just like Andy Kubert.
0: Um, Sergeant Rock back in the day, right? Andy Andy Kubert was Rock, wasn't he?
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that comic yeah oh no it's right on the tip of my
1: tongue the toy Wait. line sucked for that comic too by the way because the, they, they had a pose one arm went down in the front one arm went up so you could like hold your gun oh, okay <laughs> but, but they didn't make it so you could actually shoot the gun with the oh. character he was just holding it and i remember the the toy line was like potentially cool eagle force had come out at the same time oh, yeah. those yes. little you know one inch or two inch metal little guys which was a amazing toy line And I love, and and then no one bought them, so they were like a ninety-nine cents at Toys R Us, and uh, I think they made a comic book for that too, Eagle Force. It might have been a DC,
2: perhaps. I vaguely remember the figures. The figures for sure, and it might, or it might have
1: come with. There was like a comic strip on the back of the box itself.
0: Uh, Anyway, sorry. It's kind of hard to compete against GI Joe in, in that arena with the, you know, the.
1: They tried though, yeah. God bless them
0: yeah a lot of people tried it, did. it didn't. and who's still around who like what's still you know it's gi joe to this day gi you know? joe <laughs> even though you and i've talked before about guts remember the guts toys that we like guts back were in the great day? yeah at least cool. uh,
1: i still have my figures from guts you guys i, I mentioned that on the show too i, I still have my gut that was the best uh version of little army men they ever yeah. made
0: yeah, my my favorite pack was the laser pack, like the suit future pack or whatever. Yep. That was the one I carried. That I had those with me for a long time. I don't know if they're still in my mom's basement, but uh, I I adored those as a kid. Um, Dan, so growing up in the '80s, like you know, some of your obviously everyone's been listening to us for so many years. They know what movies we love. What uh, what are some of your favorite films from back in the day that you grew up with? Or you look back now and you're like, these this is some of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, and Have say, we covered them on the show at all?
2: No. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to start with one that you, I think you both have ambival- ambivalent feelings for. Flash Gordon. Don't say Cyborg. Oh. 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 I love Flash Gordon.
1: Come on. Zach. I don't have ambivalent feelings.
0: Zach loves Flash Gordon. Um, I just picked up the Arrow Blu-ray because I've seen it a few times. Um, and I need. I feel like it's one of those things where, like, I need to just give this a proper. You know, check out just because of so many people, mainly because of Zach loving it so much. I really want to see what this thing's all about. And I think I'm never in the right f- mindset when I watch it. So I did pick up the Arrow Blu-ray.
2: It, it deserves your full attention at least once. Do you, now, Especially now on Blu-ray and everything. But the sets and the costumes and everything are amazing.
1: Ab- I mean, especially after when- watching the Jodorowsky documentary, Dune, and knowing the influence that yeah. they took from his book dune i'm uh, sorry from his bible that he created for dune uh mm. and and in turning flash gordon in which came out a, a you know a few years after that book was being pitched around to studios it's f- phenomenal and th- that film is not i would say a kid's movie necessarily no. it's, it's got no. kid elements to it fantastic elements um but man it's it's so much fun and yeah Corey, you you can have some funzy time with that yeah I'd like to give
2: you a, the, the the stuff you'd like in it Curry, especially okay yes. okay <laughs> starts with
1: a b ends with a b
2: sometimes well, i say it, it's the bit when um princess Ardal is being tortured spread eagle on a on a space table <laughs> and uh, a panel slides back and her dad's just uh, max von siddhar in shiny black leather, he's just stood in the background eating grapes while he's watching his daughter get tortured. Yep. It's Jesus. brilliant. It's, it's all those little bits where you're just like, this is the best film ever made.
1: So, I mean, it's it's Topple's best role next to Fiddler on the Roof, so, uh, yeah, you know. then yeah. Sam and, Jones as well. Sorry, I, I didn't mean, mean to cut you,
2: you off, James Dan. James is not it for a split second say that again william hootkins is in it for a split second it sure is yep hawkins why do i know and that then... name he plays porkins in star oh, wars Yep.
0: there you go that's it Yep. and he was also eckhart hey eckhart think about the yeah. future in batman and then he was also in uh, raiders of the lost ark and he was in
2: hardware yeah yeah um i'm <laughs> biggles adventures in time <laughs>
0: okay
2: <laughs> yes
1: that movie is very hard to come by as far as uh movies that are hard to come by
2: yes yeah it's on tv all the time over that was another one i loved in the 80s when i was a kid what i was explaining to my son i'll get back to my favorite films in it but when i when you're a kid you never come ab- come away from the cinema having seen a bad film until you're about True. 15 16 and that's when you start getting some te- you know dis- some discernibility between films but for a while, there's a golden age where every film you go and see, you think is amazing. Yes. Because uh, you're yeah, a- the only, the
1: only movie that I, I, I consciously remember saying this is not good and leaving midway or three quarters of the way was a movie called where the heart is starring <laughs> Gabby Coleman, Uma Thurman. um, And, and a whole like cast of people. It's about a, about a, billionaire family that suddenly loses everything and they have to go live in a dilapidated uh old like motel hotel thing and it, it it's trash the movie's trash and it I remember like as crap. a kid you just you guys ha- you should at least watch the trailer of where the heart is it's bad. so
2: anyway Flash Gordon the thing 82 version of the thing of course yeah. um eight I was gonna say 82 Blade Runner but yeah 82 Blade Runner yeah, Alien. Um, it made me laugh. Someone the other day asked me to to name a a, a sequel or a horror film, sequel or a remake that no, you know, that's, that nobody else likes. That's an edgy one, and I, I said Halloween three. So it's my favourite mm-hmm. Halloween film. And he went, "Oh, that's a safe choice." And I was like, "It wasn't a safe choice in the eighties when I, I saw." And, and so
0: Zach and I have talked about this before. I know you've heard about it, but how, like, are can a movie be cult at one point and then become mainstream later? Because we can all agree that John Carpenter's The Thing was a cult movie back in the late 80s and, and the 90s, but now I would say that it's mainstream. Everybody and their brother has seen it by this point yeah. Um, because so many people championed it, you know, for, for so early on and to the point where, like... I, I hear more people talking about the thing than, than E.T. And we all know that E.T. coming out that year is what killed, you know, the thing. So same with Halloween three, I think, you know, the internet is for, you know, for as terrible as social media is, and we all hate about it. There are great things about it. Like the fact yeah. that we met you, Dan, we met David Irons through, right. you know, social media and stuff like that. And people, I you know, we consider friends and this is awesome. But, and, and another good thing is I think, a lot of people have championed these cult movies so hard that it got you know the 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 stiffs as you know as as Vinkman Vinkman would say don't don't scare the stiffs you know it got the stiffs to actually watch these movies and be like oh okay maybe Halloween 3 does have its merits and you know spoiler alert it does have its merits so I like your statement, Dan. You're like, that wasn't a safe choice to say that back in the 80s or the 90s when we were all growing up. You know, like, what sequel that you enjoy? Um, but now, everyone loves Halloween 3. So I guess my question to you is, Dan, do we even
2: consider it a cult movie anymore? Um, I think it still is. It's just that the cult isn't spread out now. We're all in one place with a louder voice. The internet. Yeah. Um, So, it's like, I think the other thing is, it's the same with the Friday the 13th. I said Friday the 13th part six, which when I was a kid, reading Fangoria and stuff like that, that was like the red-headed stepchild. Mm. Nobody liked Friday the 13th part six because it was too funny. And it's like, but that's the best one. He's got the best Jason. I think the thing with Halloween 3 is, um, we've had that many bad sequels that people can't deny that the third one's actually better than most of the sequels. So, so you needed
0: of... the other ones to kind of give it perspective, essentially.
2: Yeah. yeah. Even though it's not, it's not got Michael Myers in it. People suddenly go, well, it's better than five and six and you know, whatever followed. I think that's part right. of it. Um, and like the Friday, the 13th, yeah, uh, although the Friday, the 13th are more diverse in as I know people that are like eight, and I don't mind eight, but I sit and watch it thinking, why did this even get released when they've cut everything that you want to watch the film for out of it? Right. Which makes it kind of pointless. But at the same time, I know people that will shout from the rooftops that number eight. brilliant.
1: Sure. Yeah. It's As- interesting too how people, you know, again, this goes back to you, you know, you enjoying what you enjoy. And if someone doesn't like it, that's fine. And if you love something that is, is, mainstream and that's got that's fine too you know it's it's up to everybody's own personal opinion it is interesting to me though when people get so excited over some one particular movie and, and maybe it's the nostalgia taking over you know with the case of halloween 3 I, I think that you know the, the those masks are iconic mm-hmm. but and and so many people know the masks but not everybody knows the story of what it's about
2: right i think part of, some of it now is as well when I was a kid, I used to fawn over pictures of those masks at the back of Fangoria or Starlog, Same. yeah. And it was a rarity to get merchandise for, for something like that. Now, I think half of the stuff is people see the merchandise and go, oh, I like the look of that. Or I like the colors on that mask. Or, and then they will look at whatever the merchandise is from. Right. So some of it's sort of the tail wags the dog sometimes. Where you see, a mon- oh, I like that, mon- you know, you see the alien figure. And i go going, what's that? That monster looks good. In fact, right. I saw footage last night from, it was a 1979 CBS news report where they were interviewing people that had just come out of Alien with their children. yeah, <laughs> 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 Five or six years old. Bringing That's the amazing. children out, the woman's interviewing them. Yeah, it's a so do you think you should take your child to see this oh i and what this guy literally said uh well it it, it could all be a, a true story it might yeah we don't know what's out there i'm just warning my kids about what might be out <laughs> oh my god
0: <laughs> well they made didn't they make a kenner uh over like a giant alien? i had it I've yeah had i had it.
2: it i've still got one you have it in a box wow. still got it in a box wow wow that's in that's
0: impressive that's that's impressive now so, did you did you see aliens in the theater when it came out
2: uh, I have seen it in a theater. I've seen them all in the theater, but not when it came out because uh, obviously over here I, I had to be eighteen. Oh, Okay. Whereas you, you, your dad took you, didn't he? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But it, over, it, I don't. I think David has mentioned that it wasn't quite the same. But, uh, here in the eighties, a lot of theaters, um, you know, you could literally drop your 12 year old kid off at a rate or a movie and you would, you could, the parent would buy the ticket and yeah. then, you know, someone at the, pla- the the counter would just sign it. Like, it's okay. Like, you know, yeah. the the parents uh, said it's okay. And like, I, that was, I saw a lot of movies that way by like, just, I want to go see this dad. And you know, but you usually take me, but yeah, dad took me to actually see it. Um, and, my nephew who just turned eight. I saw it when I was eight. He's been chomping at the bit, uh, because he knows it's my favorite movie. Um, and he like plays like the aliens fire team elite game and stuff like that. So he's aware of what Xenomorphs are. He's aware of what colonial Marines are and stuff like that. Um, so I told him when you turn eight, you know, like we can watch it. And, uh, he turned eight a couple weeks ago. And like the first thing he did, cause we called him to wish him happy birthday. The first thing he did was like, can I watch aliens this year? It's like, my God. Okay. Yes. So, Next Thursday is the day we're watching aliens next Thursday. Zach's like, Oh boy. (laughs) All I know is I
1: took, I went hiking with Bodhi yesterday and we saw a bunch of spiders on the trail. Uh, for some reason at at the Creek, there were just webs everywhere with little spiders and there were these white spiders in Bodhi because the white spiders are the ones that freak me out the most. And I said, well, we're probably not going to watch Alien anytime soon because those little, uh, you know, the, the the face huggers look like white spiders. He's like, yeah, nope, nope, I'm good. I'm
2: good. <laughs> it does make me laugh, though, that how far things moved on. Alien, it used to be like, and we used to have an X certificate over here, which means something completely yeah. different to what you have over there. Yeah. And the X turned into the 18, and Alien now is like a 15. Okay. Wow, really? Yeah. Because That's, you know, interesting. things have moved on. Since it's like, interesting
0: it, because it's still the like when Kane dies, it's still an intense, like, and it's gory too. Like you know, I'm thinking on on Aliens, it's not really that gory. That one girl, that that kind of, you know, they find her. You know, she that, has the chest yeah. burster, but it's not as gory as Kane's is. And oh. and you know, that's that's a that would be a hard thing for a kid to watch.
2: Well, the funny thing with that is, when John Hurt died, Breakfast Television. That's the clip they showed on Breakfast TV at like half past 7 in the morning was Kane's chest burst to scene. Wow. And apparently they got a record number of complaints. <laughs> like...
0: Yes. Yes, of course why wouldn't you? <laughs> My child just spit up his that.
1: oatmeal. <laughs> I was I was going to say uh speaking of seeing alien in the theater. I did see it one time in the theater here at the Cinerama dome, uh or actually the Arc Light in Hollywood uh yeah in Hollywood. Rest in peace to the Arclight because that theater closed during the pandemic and oh no. probably will not open. No. Uh, there's rumors that the Cinerama Dome and the Arclight may have been purchased by an investor, but it still sits dormant, which is really sad because it's like iconic landmark in Los Angeles. Uh, and in one of the few places you go on a regular basis and see many of the actors that were in these movies, you love like going to the movies to see them because that's the best place to see a movie. Uh, and I saw Alien at the Arclight and Veronica Cartwright sat right behind, right behind me. Uh, and during that chestburster scene, I hear her laughing and just like hooting and hollering. And she was she was not there to be a guest. She was simply there to be a patron. And um, it was awesome. I, I, I turned to my friend and I'm like, veronica cartwright sitting right behind us you know and and then that scene where she's like oh god oh god you know she was like recreating it behind me it was hilarious that's, so, um, that's amazing yeah i mean th- those are the things you know uh i i as you both probably know toxic avenger is getting released uh probably later this year with
0: finally um, that thing's been in development hell for like three years now
2: but, well, the, new, but the new version is that yeah, the one yeah, yeah. Um, peter dinklage is doing yeah. yes oh wow
1: I have this feeling though, because people are like, "Oh, that's Peter Dinklage as the Toxic Avenger." I think he's gonna, it's gonna be a guy in a suit because uh, oh, I if think you look on divided. the,
0: I'm,
1: yeah, I think he's just gonna be like
0: he, the, the the first version before he turns into the Toxic Avenger. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. But but what a wild world we live in. You know, Dan, you're talking about the ratings changing over time and Toxic Avenger obviously was Toxic Crusaders in the 90s with the cartoon and little kids go, I want to watch the movie. It's based on. Nope, 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 nope. Can't can't show that. But now Toxic Avenger is coming back. And it's funny how people who don't know that movie think that it's a movie about. Um, uh, like a, 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 a commentary on toxic masculinity. There's my guy. There's Man. toxic Oh, Toxy.
2: Dan, are you
0: going to get the Toxic Crusaders video game that's going to be coming out at the end of this year? Or I guess next year. I don't know. It should be soon, I think.
2: Is that the one that's like a, a sideways scrolling turtles game?
0: Yeah, it's like the new <laughs> Shredders. Yeah, Revenge, which is great. I picked that up, by the way. It's fantastic. And, yeah, they're putting out a Toxic Crusaders uh, game of the same ilk, and I will be buying that day one.
2: Want that? I do still have the original video VHS somewhere, but it's in a, in a vacuum formed box, like a 3D Ooh. box.
1: Wow, I remember watching that with my brother and my and, and a bunch of his friends. And you know, that's the only movie I ever saw where <laughs> I mean, if you've never seen Toxic Avenger, the original listeners, you should because, um, it is, it is probably the most over the top. Next to Street Trash, it's probably one of the most over-the-top, balls-to-the-wall, freak-out movies.
0: And, and they're street, remaking, tr- it's, street Trash is getting remade by the guy who made, um, uh, what, Fried right. Berry, I think?
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, really? I, yeah, I've never seen that movie, but I've heard nothing but great things about it.
1: I've been tempted to bring it to pad because it it, it is probably the most ultimate, uh, I think it's the the ultimate cult movie. You know, when people say what's the 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 most cultish cult movie of all time, for me it's Street Trash. Uh, I know some people t- sometimes say The Begotten, but The Begotten I don't think is. It, I don't know if you've ever seen that, Dan, but uh, it, heard it heard. falls flat. It's that's another one that ranks up there with people saying, "Oh, this is tape traders." You know, back in the day, you got to yeah, see The Begotten; yeah. it's amazing.
2: No, no, I, not heard that one. Street Trash, Street Trash is a favorite. It's hard to dislike i mean it's got it's just funny now that people say things are problematic because of certain scenes and it's just like we'll just watch it in the manner it was made right that, you know what i mean it's like just just pretend you're in a time bubble and watch it in the watch it in the manner it was made we can all admit that think some things are problematic now but they weren't when it was made
1: uh, that's a good test though i have a friend of mine who loves horror films he's got horror tattoos on his body and uh and he said you know what is your favorite like craziest movie you've ever seen i said street trash because we should watch it i said i have to warn you though it's it's intense like it's hilarious but he's like "Oh, let's do it i'm totally down and he was quiet the entire time and the scene where the main character takes a lady of the uh a lady to back to his yes his lair yeah. and some nefarious things happen i don't want to give it away he was. He was like, "This is really messed up." I go, "What did you expect?"
2: <laughs> uh, it's called rec- street trash. <laughs> may I recommend that you show your friend blood sucking freaks? Oh yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah, <laughs> I would I say sh- that's a step lo- lower than street trash. I, agree. I showed my
0: wife um, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre the other night, um, and I'm surprised because she loves horror. She's a big fan of horror. Uh, but kind of like me, she doesn't like stuff like hostile and you know the torture porn stuff. And and for me, Texas Chainsaw is probably as far as I sort of go in into that realm. Yeah. But I don't ever consider Texas Chainsaw that that kind of a movie. Um, mm. But you know, it didn't really connect with her. And you know, we're talking about it, and, and you know, I'm 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 you know talking to her like what what she didn't like about it, what she did like. And, you know, I think at this point, you know, I saw that movie when I was, like, 12 or 13. And, you know, that's going to fucking, like, scare the shit out of you at that point. But it's hard to, like, be, like, I mean, at this point, if you're watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time, like, she's already seen, like, hereditary. She's already seen, like, these high caliber. And, and, you know, and at the same time, she's, of course, aware of, like, how important Texas Chainsaw Massacre is to the history of horror. And she's like, I like that part of it um but it just she didn't connect with the people the the main people she's yeah. like i want them all to die because they shouldn't be snooping where they are and aren't supposed to be snooping you know and uh and i was like okay you know but yeah i i get it sometimes you know sometimes you 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 try to put yourself into the mindset but it's still hard it's still hard and you still have all these other movies in your head you know and it's still hard to sort of disassociate yourself from them that takes a Special kind of a talent, I think, that yeah, a lot of people yeah. don't have, and I'm not trying to throw my wife under the bus, but and I don't have it either. I I see things now and compare it to things I've already seen, even though it's you know back then and everything. But um, it's yeah, found it. In. And then we went and watched uh, Mannequin, 1987's <laughs> Mannequin, right afterwards to kind of. So now it's that was our double feature, and I told her about Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two and how crazy it is and everything. And so she's like, okay, our next double feature is going to be. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and Mannequin 2, and I'm like, let's do it. <laughs>
2: wow. Uh, I can wow. Imagine which one's the more horrible of those two films. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my it's gosh. The, uh, the opposite reaction to Texas Chainsaw, I didn't see it until I was about 15. In fact, the first time I saw it was in a theater. It was on for one night in our local art house. Wow. And it was the wrong time for me to watch it because – as an adult, I know what should have scared me about it. As a as a, a early teen, as a callow youth, to quote Um, mall rats, um <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know what I should have found scary about it, so I just laughed at most of it. And now, as an adult, I'm like, well, I, you know, I, I understand what I should find the tone scary and the thought of it and this and that. But as a kid, I was just like, this family's funny and this guy's funny and like, oh, look at the furniture. You know what I mean? I was looking at everything, but not taking any of it in. Yeah. So it's kind of spoiled it for me because I can't enjoy it as a scary film.
1: Let me ask you though, because to this day, hands down, one of the most terrifying scenes, uh, you know, I, 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 there are movies that are Well, I was thinking the, the, the hitchhiker scene where he takes the straight razor out and so like, That level of intimacy of being that close to someone with that dangerous of a weapon, uh, and, and his look on his face with the you know just like yeah. sleazy and gross—it still to this day terrifies me. I, I think it's so creepy.
2: Um, yeah, uh, I think the thing is I hadn't had the life experience yet mm. to be in a situation similar to that where that it would have gone. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I can empathize with this. I can. I think I was just watching it all on the surface. Yeah, uh, I must have. Had, like so I said, yeah, I, I remember watching other stuff that scared the shit out of me. But it was just simple, like um, another TV movie. Um, Don't go to sleep, where it's got the kid. It's got the boy from Poltergeist in it. Um, there's there's a ghost anyway, and people. Okay. Uh, it's going. The story's going nowhere. But that the, it was the, la- the last thirty seconds. Of that have stayed with me the rest of my life. Right. And that was just like, that scared the pants off me. But like, so Texas Chainsaw, I acknowledge why and what it is, but it was spoiled for me. A bit like The Exorcist. The first time I saw The Exorcist, I laughed all the way through it.
1: Hmm.
2: But then something like Night of the Demons, which is about as teenager in peril as you can get. That was probably one of the last films that scared me as a teenager. When she's floating around down the corridors and stuff, chasing people, I was like, that's fucking terrifying. Didn't yeah. The arms and things being ripped off, but people floating away down corridors, I'm like, no, that's I'm out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny with Texas Chainsaw, I saw the horror in it first, and it took me into my adult era to see the humor. And because, you know, I was like, I-, I thought that that movie was sort of devoid of humor. And when I was younger, because maybe because I think the tone was so oppressive. Um, but yeah. I watch it now, and I'm like, "Oh, there's actually a good amount of humor in it." And if you know, you take the trajectory of of Toby Hooper, you know, he's gonna. I think I think Texas Chainsaw is like, you know, 80% horror, 20% humor. Yeah. But he's gonna. You can tell that Toby Hooper wants. To make it more balanced, he's trying to find it, and I think you know he finally gets there with like *Return of the Living Dead*. I think that's like the perfect balance of of humor and horror. But I feel like you can you can see it with Toby Hooper at the beginning of and he's trying to find it. Like my favorite scene is when uh, uh, Leatherface kills the third guy with the afro, and then he starts looking through the house. He's like, "Where the yeah, fuck yeah. are all these kids coming yeah. from?" Like, yeah, and and yeah. here's the thing, my wife. <laughs> And I asked her, I specifically talked about that. I was like, she didn't get that. She didn't understand what Leatherface was sort of doing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, this is comedy. Leatherface is like, where the fuck are all these kids coming from? Like he's like, so what is happening?
2: And exasperated, at it, I think, is the word. Was that? <laughs> exasperated would he's, be. The word. He's yes. exasperated, you know.
0: And and you know, and and but I I found it interesting and I do think that you can see Toby Hooper trying to implement more comedy uh in it, but um but you know, he, he takes some years to sort of get there.
1: Yeah. No. Well, he did that with Funhouse, I think, and he also did that with T, uh, Texas Chainsaw 2. Obviously. So.
2: Yes. Do you think that might be something to do? I know this is going to sound like I'm banging the drum for British humor. Do you think it's because you've been exposed to why the source is a comedy, the audience you've got, that's made you realise that it's there later.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because that ties into you saying how, when you're older, you know, you can, you can understand, I think I always, and I tell my nephew, this, you know, watch a movie. Now you may like, you may not like it, rewatch it when you're older. And the fact that Zach and I have been doing this and revisiting a lot of movies, um, from our youth as an older person, it's given me a lot of perspective. And I think, yeah, having, having that knowledge under my belt, uh, helps with a perspective. Like you said, Dan, you're like, now that I'm older, I can understand, you know, why I should be scared of this, even though it's kind of been neutered for me by this point. You're still you're like, I can yeah. understand why I'm supposed to be scared of this. So, yeah, I think I think revisit movies at different points in your life. And, and just like food, you didn't like lima beans as a kid. Revisit them as an adult. You don't know, you know, because everything changes. Your taste buds change. Your your humor changes everything.
2: Except with yes. lima beans.
0: <laughs> well, I was going to say condor,
2: man. Condor, condor man. man. <laughs> The perfect yes. excuse to that. I looked at it as a kid. I watched it as a teen and thought it was fucking ridiculous. Then watched it as, as an adult. And I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> I love Condor um, Man.
0: That Was that a Disney? Was that a live-action yeah. Disney yeah. production? It sure was. Back in the day when they were doing Benji and, and Black Stallion and stuff, I, right? They did Black
1: Hole at that same time. And Something Wicked This Way Comes. It was in yeah. the late 70s, early 80s, yeah.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, I never, I never watched Condor Man, probably because I thought it looked silly. But it, same thing with Dr. Mordred. I never watched that. Um, uh, you know, Zach brought that to the table. And I remember it specifically being that stupid kid who saw the cover and was like, man, this is, looks dumb. And then, you know, we discover that it's one of the best full moon movies out there.
2: Right. Uh, the exact same thing about the stupid video box, Friday the 13th. I didn't see Friday the 13th until I was about 20. Because the, the UK video box was one of those Warner Brothers clamshells with a big black cover. Where they all had the same cover. And then there was a different picture on, in a box on from of each Warner Brothers. It was um, Adrienne King in the canoe with her arm over the side. That oh, was the yeah. photo. And I was just like, why would I want to watch that? That looks like the most boring why? horror film I've ever seen.
1: Right. I think we might need to do an episode uh, or a wrap up or something down the road where we where we take terrible cover art or poster art for wonderful movies, like movies that ended up being way better than the poster or cover.
2: Well, this uh, was an idea me and Corey were talking about, which was sort of top 10 favorite poster arts that over-delivered on the poster <laughs>
0: spoiler alert whenever we do do that and that is great i'm i'm 100% on for that you know my number one's gonna probably be like defcon 4 because that po- we we reviewed that in the first season for or sure. something
1: and I, we should uh, do or, a balance we should do like the five that are great and the five that are not
2: yes yes honestly I did, yes i did sort of, the thing is it's a visual medium so talking about it it would have you'd have to have it on video or, or, or live, on your page, yeah. You would have to put all the images on a, on your Instagram or something. Yeah, maybe maybe we can you know maybe we can workshop
0: this uh, offline and maybe do some kind of like YouTube thing because technically we do have a YouTube channel. I just we don't use it, utilize it. But yeah, maybe we can go uh, and do something with this in the future because I've always liked that idea because uh, there's some great you know movie posters out there and obviously. Oh. You know, there's, there's like, Polish versions of movie posters, like the Terminator, well, was, Polish, it's awesome.
2: I keep thinking of The, the Dark, which was, should have been a Toby Hooper film and wasn't, and we've discussed Oh, yeah. It.
0: What, is that the one with the guy's eyeballs, like, shooting a yeah. laser through somebody? Yeah.
2: Yeah, and it's an amazing artwork, and I, it keep, every time I see the artwork, I'm like, maybe I should give that film another chance. And it's got me about three times. So I'm like, the film doesn't get any better just because I like the artwork. <laughs> <laughs> that, this is true. It's, or Rotor. Is... That's yeah, Rotor. Rotor. Has, has absolutely <laughs> amazing Robocop Mad Max knockoff artwork on it.
0: Yes. And, uh, oh, hey, the oh I know Rotor. I know I rented Rotor because of that poster. Yeah. And I know yeah. I barely remember that movie because it is not memorable. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, strange. but you know what? You know, it is memorable. Dan, let's see the top five episodes uh, uh, from the last month. Uh, we always do this uh, every wrap up. We just kind of, eh, you know, just talk about what people's been listening to. Uh, number five, because we count them down five to one. Number five, Dr. Mordred rocking and rolling over there, baby.
1: Thank you, Dr. Mordred. Thank you, Jeffrey Combs.
0: Yes. Thank, thank you, Zach, <laughs> for bringing that one to the table. That was a good episode thank you thank Thank you you, Dan thank you thank you thank you you. doctor 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 doctor
2: doctor. (laughs) where (laughs) the hell is the records room
0: (laughs) Dr. Rosen Rosen um number four uh my little my little quick uh 20 minute uh aliens dark descent review and uh, right before we jumped on this I'm still I'm on my uh uh, second playthrough of it and uh it it just fills me with all my my colonial marine desires look at you (laughs) look Look at at you you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh number three the go-go boys already popping wow. into the top five and we just dropped that like a week ago jeez i've not listened dan- to
2: that Oh, oh what'd you say dan i've not listened to that one yet
1: oh d- uh, it's got someone who comes back from the grave yeah
2: <laughs> manachem manachem <laughs> Well, it might be
0: a fun little, uh, tomorrow, um, uh, everyone else will hear this already. It'll be out, but tomorrow we're dropping the Jodorowsky Dune, um, documentary as well. So every August we're doing these documentary things before we, uh, build up into our September, um, argumentary is what we, we think we call it. We don't know. Um, number two is, uh, interviews after dark with Jeanette Goldstein. That is a older interview that we yep. put out from the, the Patreon archives and, uh, glad we decided to do that because these interviews have been getting a lot of traction now that they're they're floating around in the world yeah me too I
1: think we should call uh, August
0: Augmentation Month because are we getting augmented like are we turning into robots are we turning into rotors yes the answer is yes <laughs> Dan's nodding his head yes yeah. um, and then number one number I knew this one was going to be a hit Every, everyone loves this movie no, I, guess. Yeah. I guess what I the, one is. the one is.
2: Yeah, can I, is it maximum overdrive? It absolutely is. We made you. Yeah! Who made who? <laughs> who made you? And that <laughs> they is just shows that it... one of those films that's gone over from cult to everybody seems to love it now.
1: Yeah.
2: For, yeah. But everybody loves it for a different reason. They all have different reasons to loving it. But yeah, it makes me. But I can still remember <laughs> renting that. And the only people that
1: don't like it don't like it because so many people do like it.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And and Stephen King hates it so much. But, I mean, rewatching it, I mean, Zach, as an adult just now, like a couple weeks ago, it's not a bad movie. Like, we've seen so many worse films. It just sold out
1: at the New Beverly Cinema here in Hollywood. They showed it uh, for a midnight screening and sold out.
2: It's far from next. Yeah, I'd say that like you say bad films. There's nothing inept about Maximum Overdrive.
0: No. At all. There's stinking King shits on it. And it, I don't think it's a. Yeah, anyways, we, we talk about it on the episode. And, and I'm glad that people are listening to it because I do think that it's it deserves some love. You know, yeah. especially I, Stephen King. Listen to our episode, Stephen King. Yeah, they, Stephen King,
1: stick <laughs> to writing books, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: stick definitely running to running over heavily. by cars. It's definitely going to feature heavily in next year's poster.
0: Yeah, I know. You,
1: yes, you, oh, you told me that.
2: <laughs> well, and I'm sure spoiler, we
1: ever... we're spoiler. We're never doing Dreamcatcher, so
0: <laughs> no, never. That's his but, worst movie, in my opinion.
2: Not even to discuss the fact that uh, people only went to watch Dreamcatcher because it had Flight of the Osiris on it. Well, that's, the Matrix yes. cartoon.
0: Oh yeah, I
2: forgot right. about that. that. That was the that only was reason we kind of... went to watch that film.
0: That was kind of like Meet Joe Black having the uh, Phantom Menace trailer. Yeah. W- what? <laughs> Shut up. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Shut up. Uh, so, Dan, this is the time of the show where Zach and I will, like, unwrap um, the, the, you know, the movies that we're going to be breaking down and reviewing. Okay. But since we've already Locked in uh, September because it's going to be we're officially announcing it now. It's going to be the the annual two dollar late fee podcasting after dark crossover. Uh First year was the Wraith. Second year was Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. Which are just and <laughs> it's it's a wild movie. And uh so first year Zach and I, I think we did like one or two episodes. Second year we did definitely did two the the oh no three. And now, it's going to be an entire month. Interview, uh, you know, everything, including Territory Marks. I'm going to actually be on Territory Marks. We're doing that tomorrow. Zach, I'll be watching right. everything today. And, Dan, we would like for you to announce to the world what the crossover, the pa- podcast after dark, $2 a fee crossover is. Drum roll.
2: <laughs> it's Roadhouse. Boom.
0: <laughs> Roadhouse, baby. And Sorry, it was And it's <laughs> crazy. Yes. And Dan, you probably, I think it was on Dr. Mordred. You heard when Zach pretty much called it. So so I had mentioned, I think it was on Dr. Mordred or um, Maxim Overdrive. I can't remember which one. It was on one of the recent episodes where I was like, I mentioned I'd never seen Roadhouse before. And we took a pee break in between the episode. <laughs> Zach texted Dustin. and then we come back from it and like from the pee break and zach's like okay so we're doing roadhouse by the way
1: (laughs) so uh we've already recorded the interview we have already recorded the uh fun like pre-episode to the breakdown uh that'll be dropping next sunday and yeah it's roadhouse all month we're doing it Coincidentally, we're doing a tribute to Terry Funk because he passed away just a few days ago from the recording of this, and uh, but we'd already planned to do a tribute to Terry Funk at that time in 1989 when the movie came out, so we're going to, yeah, the content's going to be crazy. It's going to be great. I just finished editing the next week's episode and, spoiler, uh, Dustin and Corey gang up on me once again. <sighs> uh for various reasons and i take it like a man i take it like a man i've got the scars to show so uh yeah the you all, all made me cry
0: it. it made me laugh so hard i was crying that episode. yeah
1: you'll hear you'll feel Corey's tears <laughs> his tears of joy coming through it's fine movie it, <laughs> yes it's a fine movie dan this has been awesome having you on dude
0: yeah, it really has Dan. Uh, thank you so much for for joining us. Um, I definitely want to do that poster show so whenever we can figure out the best, format to do it uh you will be on there and uh, we'll all three of us you know figure it out um but dan dude thank you so much thank you for being a friend thank you for being an awesome artist thank you for for producing these posters for us and everything i can tell you whenever i wear one of them you know the the shirt everyone just just like whoa like like looking at it and studying it and everything my son uh, bodie
1: he has the pillow and on his bed downstairs of the of year one and he loves it he just thinks it's the best so
0: i got my
2: pillows over here too yeah i gotta say my favorite part of the year one poster is the hot dog
1: (laughs) it's gotta be that's a given
2: that's a deep dive and i was like it's the only bit i really remember from the exterminator
0: (laughs) (laughs) i i mean i love all the obscure stuff that you put in there and everything and uh you know it's it's you're you're a joy to work with my friend as far as like art you know communication goes and and all that kind of stuff and guys and gals out there you know uh, uh Dan is is open to commissions and stuff feel free to hit him up you know and and he's he's a great artist to to work with um Dan do you have anything you want to plug or or anything your your artwork was featured in that aliens uh, artwork uh, um book that came out uh, i think about a year and a half ago that yeah. I got that for christmas and the first thing i did was open to your page and show my mom i was like that's my friend look Right here.
2: Yes, that definitely put a smile on my face. <laughs> just, <laughs> um, no, uh, I've not got anything on the go at the moment. Uh, well, a, a couple of bits I've got coming up in a. Oh, what's it called? Cinema One Eight Seven, a Fanzine, and Brain Bleed Zine. I've got some pieces popping up in them there on cool. Instagram somewhere. Um, but that's it. No, no, I've got nothing in the pipeline. I'm just filling my time
0: and is instagram the best place to find you out there
2: yes it's okay technically the only place to find me out there
0: (laughs) well Um, i will have uh we will have a link in the show notes uh to your instagram account and like i said everybody please go give dan a follow i'm sure everyone who's listening probably already does but if uh if you haven't out there go check him out go obviously go check out all the posters that he did you can find everything on our website podcastingafterdark.com and you can see his posters there and stuff
2: Sorry to cut in. Can I um, give a shout out to your friend and mine, uh, Stiff Kitten, aka Crystal. <laughs> Crystal.
0: Yeah, 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 of course. Crystal. Of course.
2: She she did me a massive solid and sent me a Killer Clowns candy gun from Spirit of Halloween the other oh. week. Oh. And I said I'd give her a shout.
0: She's the best. She she was one of our first uh, people to sign up for the for the picture movie tier and everything, and she gave us she gave us some interesting picks. <laughs> That's-
2: she so has quite the
0: vhs collection she sure does we love you crystal we do we do love you crystal and we love each and every one of you thank you so much for for being patreon members uh thank you so much for supporting the show at this point we're, we're like i said we're a few steps into our fifth year but my god it's been amazing and of course look out for uh for a year five poster from dan parker and uh you know I, what i 11 months now the, the 10 and a half months from now or something so. i'm counting the days Yes, thank you, buddy. And, of course, go check out $2 Late Fee, Territory Marks. X got uh, all kinds of stuff going on over there. And uh, this month coming up, I will be on Territory Marks Woo-hoo! as well as every other episode of $2 Late Fee. So you can find all of that over at $2LateFee.com. That's T-W-O. And uh, give our boys a five-star review, too, on Apple Podcasts and Thanks. Spotify as, as well as giving us a five-star review as well. Of course. as Of course. And as always, we'll catch you on the dark side.